Welcome to The King's Table, a podcast out of Kings Hill Church in Boston, where we seek to elevate the Bible over opinion, answering the questions you have. I'm your host, Jonathan Mosley. In this episode, you're going to hear a discussion around the American dream versus the gospel, featuring Justin Ely, a pastor out of Roswell, Georgia. Enjoy. It is such an honor to have you on here because for those that are listening in, you and I have been best friends for a long time. Uh, it's just been, uh, met you in University of yes, Georgia, we have. and you've been a friend, uh, a mentor. I mean, someone who's just walked with me in all different kinds of seasons. Uh, you probably have more dirt on me than anyone else besides <laughs> my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd, I'd say the same to you. All those things I'd uh, throw back your way. Yeah. Uh, but you know, something that I just really appreciated when I went to UGA, I joined a Christian fraternity. You were the chaplain there. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, when you would give messages at, at the chapel, I, what I really enjoyed is that you preached right out of the Bible. Like you kept pointing me to where you found those points. And I had just never experienced that before. Hmm. Uh, so I, man, I'm just, I'm glad that people get a chance to listen in to what you have to say today. And as we look at this discussion, the American dream versus the gospel. So let's dive in if that's good with you. Man, thanks. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so Justin, you know, we uh, we hear labels like prosperity gospel, American dream, and some people think that maybe those are one and the same, but we're talking really about the American dream today. But how would you, for those that have those different categories in their mind, how would you just parse out what the prosperity gospel is, what the American dream is, and then we'll kind of narrow in on the American dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so... For the prosperity gospel, I'd say it's really the false teaching that um, faith in Christ uh, makes you healthy and wealthy uh, at, at its most simplistic stance. Um, so that, that's what I'd say is the prosperity gospel. The American dream, I guess there's, there's really two ways to define it. Um, you could define kind of the ancient American dream or, or what the founders had in mind. So, you know, we read in the... Um, Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I think to our founders, that was the American dream, Mm -hmm. that the individual has the right to pursue his life in a way that's uh, consistent with his values and his conscience, uh, not dictated to by a foreign king or uh, you know, a, a, re- a religious, a national religious institution that's that's forcing you to believe a certain way. Uh, and I think you could argue that is is pretty biblical in a lot of ways, that, that the individual has the right to pursue, um, you know, life according to his or her conscience. I'd say most people don't mean the American dream. That's not what they mean by the American dream now. Yeah, yeah they're not thinking about the Declaration of Independence, right? They're not thinking about the Declaration. They're thinking about the the constant um, chasing of success and property, going one rung up the ladder uh, for more and more and more. Mm. Um, and so, you know, in some ways that can be a good thing because part of the American dream is – you can come from anywhere, you can be anyone, and if you work hard and apply yourself, we believe in this country, you, you can move upward 
economically, socially. And, uh, you know, I, I think in, in that regard, that that's a great thing. Um, but I think in, in a lot of the, the discussions of more, 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 that's what people think of as the American dream, more stuff, more boats, more lake houses, bigger houses. Uh, I think that's how most people think of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I would just echo that when I hear the American dream, it's, it's a work hard so that your status can be increased and you have more money. And just that word you said more. And just to your point, the idea of working hard, that's not a bad thing. Uh, thinking about no, I, I mean, that's a biblical thing, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. In, in in James, he says those who don't work don't eat. You know, so I mean, hard work is a biblical concept. You yeah, see that throughout pro- Proverbs, you know. Yeah, uh, time and time again, dealing about softness and and making sure that you're getting up and putting your hands to useful activity. And Ephesians four speaks to that too. And so, never want to dismiss. Of course, like we're called to work hard yeah and and i would i would also say even um wealth in and of itself is not um you know cast down in scripture so you have you know for example solomon who's a very wealthy person who's uh viewed in a positive light minus all the wives and concubines and false gods but the the wealth itself wasn't a (laughs) wasn't a condemning force for him Uh, you had early christians i mean who uh, are obviously giving generously to the needs of others. And the early church was probably meeting in the houses of wealthier members because those were the houses that would have been big enough to host them. So it, it's not like you see wealth blanketly condemned. It's the love of money that is condemned. And I think the American dream for a lot of people represents the love of money. It's the, the pursuit of uh, riches, not so that you can be generous and help others, but so that you can love money and have more stuff. Yeah, that's really well said. Uh, it, when when we can use wealth to see God's kingdom grow, that's a, what a blessing that is. But that, yeah. often what we find is not where the more money we have now, we we feel more freedom to give it away, but it, it actually become more enslaving. We want to keep we want to keep hold of it. Yep. Yep. You know, as we kind of think about yeah, the core of the American dream, which I think you're spot on when we talk about it, it really is about self-actualization, being the best I can possibly be with as much stuff around me as I can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the core, would you say the American dream, when you put that American dream versus the gospel, is the American dream, is that really a path that would glorify God? Or do you think the values of the American dream promote Jesus? How would you say the Bible speaks into this? Uh, no, it, it doesn't. It's the opposite. So um, Matthew 6, you know, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, the American dream, as we're defining it, you know, is... Uh, is laying up for yourselves treasures on earth. Um, and ironically, I, I would even argue that the contemporary American dream is in some ways opposite of the founder's American dream. You know, you, you'll find these psychological studies take the idea of the pursuit of happiness that the founders included in the declaration. Uh, well, often the more stuff you have, the less happy you are. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
you know, if you buy that lake house, uh, you're going to spend that much more time worrying about your lake house. You have to spend that much more time fixing things at your lake house. So your happiness is actually diminished mm -hmm. uh, the more stuff you have. Um, there's a great book called God and Money that deals with uh, this topic. Two guys that went to Harvard Business School to get an MBA wrote their master's dissertation on what the Bible had to say with money. And they paired it with interviewing um, Christian Harvard graduates about their giving, spending, and saving practices. And what they found is there's actually a, a, a law of diminishing returns. There's a peak, a certain level of income, the, the, uh, the happiness factor starts to plateau. Mm. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you're in poverty, making more money is going to make you happier because you're, you can feed yourself because you can have a place to live because you can, you know, but at a certain point, it actually, it actually goes down more, more wealth and stuff causes more anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think about the, you know, what the American dream says is, you know, be the best you can be, you know, step into self-actualization, right? Fulfill your calling, who you're supposed yeah. to be, your destiny. And when I think about the words of Jesus, it's not actually self-actualization, it's self-denial. It's take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. You yeah. Know, speaking to the idea of that, of that ladder that you had in mind, the American dream is all right. Like I'm, I'm at a lower rung, and I need to work my way up. Mm -hmm. And well, if you were to put Jesus on that ladder, his path is the exact opposite. You know, I think about Philippians two. He was a king. That's about as high on the sure. ladder as you can be. And then I'm going to become a servant, and then I'm going to be treated like a thief on the cross. But like that's actually the path towards being exalted. For you know, when it comes to the Father saying, "Well done." to my son, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting to, when you think about that, that ladder, um, you know, more, more ancient societies, uh, it, you know, if your dad was a carpenter, you were a carpenter, that end of story. Don't, you don't need this. You don't need to have this, um, freshman year in college, switch my major 15 times kind of moment. That's just <laughs> who you are. End of story. And uh, one of the dangers of our society, it, it's the danger that comes from the blessing, is if your dad was a janitor, you don't have to be a janitor. And that is a wonderful thing. Uh, you can be a doctor. You can be a scientist. You can, and, and that's an amazing blessing. But the flip side of that, the danger of that is that can become our identity is, you know, look what I have achieved, look what, what, what my hands have done. Um, and we forget, well, who gave you the mind that you have, who gave you the opportunities that you had, all of these things that, that built into what you become, it's all a gift of God. Um, and so if we forget that, we shift our identity from, you know, God to this thing that we've been able to achieve on our own. And we lie to ourselves about our own abilities to have achieved those things. And that's very dangerous. Yeah. And, and just thinking about when you're talking about, uh, you know, not having to be the janitor and, and, and being the doctor and uh, oftentimes the pursuit of the American dream, it, 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 uh, it 
divides people or like where I'm having to step above people kind of put their head underneath the water so that yeah, I can, sure. can get ahead. And, and, and we tend to put value in positions. And I mean, if, if I've learned anything about COVID-19, it's like what positions are really valuable in the first place. You know, it's just, it, it's, uh, yeah. we really start to associate, uh, this, there's this hierarchy of what's going to make the most money. That's what I want. That's what's more valuable. And so motivations aren't driven by love for God, love for people, but they're really driven mm-hmm. by how can I, goes back to that word you said earlier, how can I get more? Yep. Yep. Well, Justin, for someone, you know, we're in the college context. So we have a lot of students that have their whole life ahead of them and they have dreams. And, and of course, dreams aren't, dreams are a good thing. Ambition is a good thing. If, it, if it's rooted with making much of God and not making much of self, but for, you know, for someone who might be under the influence of this American dream, how would you encourage them? What would you say to them? I, I would, um, I would highly recommend they read the treasure principle by Randy Alcorn and God and money. The book, the book that I, I referenced. And um, the great thing, God and money, it, it feels a lot more practical than the treasure principle. The treasure principle is amazing at giving you just a vision for how to think about money as a steward, not as, as an owner. God and money gives you some really good practical ways to um, execute that in your life. Um, and I would say it's really important that if, if you're in college or right after college, you go ahead and like establish these principles because the problem is we all have a, a shifting definition of what prosperity is. And the more prosperous you get, the problem is you start associating with people who are more prosperous than you. That's right. So your, yeah. your definition is always changing as far as what prosperity is. So how you and I would define prosperity is already different than how we would have defined prosperity when we were living in Pineview apartments at UGA, <laughs> you know, paying two seventy five a month in rent. I mean, uh, if I if uh, I could if I could go out to eat a couple times a month, I thought I was prosper- that was prosperity, you know. <laughs> and so now it's changed, and and then people that are you know making two three times what we make, their definition is different too. So. Um, you just really have to establish this early on. Otherwise, you're you're always going to be trying to chase that person that's just a little bit more successful than you are. So I'd say get the foundation for how to deal with money, how to think about it, how to pursue the kingdom of God, how to seek first the kingdom of God. Uh, establish that early on. Uh, otherwise, money is going to lie to you and trick you. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about a just you mentioned a couple of books I just finished up during the season counterfeit gods the empty promises yeah, of money sex and, and power by Tim Keller and yeah you know he he mentions you know what kind of person do you want to become he says uh, uh, he says that the one sin that everyone thinks they're immune from that most people are is is greedy yes <laughs> I, I, I love his analogy in that book when he's like no one in the middle of an affair is like, oh my gosh, I'm having an affair. Like, you, you know that you're having, like, you don't be like, wait a minute, you're not my wife. Um, but he says in all of his pastoral ministry, he's never had someone come to him and say, you know what? I think I'm greedy. Yeah. 
Yeah. She said it's never happened. <laughs> well, and that's, uh, if you're not careful, uh, a dream rooted in self and not on God, you, you, you move to becoming this person that's, that's greedy, not, not generous. And you, you might be successful. Everyone's looking to you. But the issue about everyone looking looking to you for it means you're you don't have anyone around you. You end up being alone. Yeah, no, I mean that's and that is something that you see of really wealthy people is um, they tend to be very guarded in their relationships because people always want something from them. Can you donate to this? Can you give to this? Can you help me with this? And and so th- there's um, yeah, you just don't you shouldn't assume that it's a super happy path. Yeah. And just in terms of thinking about what to, to say, not just the students, but to anyone, man, I can't think of a better example than with Jesus in the wilderness facing temptations with Satan and Satan truly does offer the, all the world's kingdoms at Jesus's fingertips. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. could have had it all. Yep. But what was most important to him was abiding with his father. And that was his yeah. deep desire. And he could say no to every other offer because yep. what he wanted most was with this relationship with his father. Yeah. You, you know, I, I'd also say on a practical level, um, give until it hurts. Um, just start that as, that's a better principle, I, mm-hmm. I think, than almost anything else. Um, Give until it hurts. And, and what I mean by that is establish in your life such um, regular and sacrificial giving that there are things that you can't do in your life that you want to do. There are things that you can't buy. There are vacations that you can't take because of your generosity. I'm not saying to never buy the stuff. I'm not saying to never go on vacations. I think, you know, go for it. But uh, give until it hurts. Uh, establish that as a regular pattern in your life. And what you'll see is that that actually becomes a great source of joy. Uh, yeah. But don't wait until you feel joyful about giving to start giving. That's like saying, well, I don't feel like reading my Bible every day, so I'm, I'm just going to wait until I feel it. <laughs> well, right. You're never going to feel it. Just a newsflash for you today. Like you're never, if you wait until you're feeling it, ain't never going to happen. So establish the discipline and then out of the discipline will flow a love for it. Yeah. But sometimes you just got to do it first. So the best way to counter greed in your life is giving. That's really good. That's really good. You know, you and I, Justin, we both have, we both have small daughters and just thinking about, you know, this, this American dream, this narrative is going to be thrown, out, thrown at them in so many different ways. I'm trying to think through how to communicate this with, with, with Liliana and Ariah, you know, our two girls. And, you know, what she, what she truly hates is when she's in her room and the door shut because she doesn't have access to mom or dad. Hmm. She just wants that accessibility to her parents. And I, here's what I think about. I think about the American dream. I'm on the couch. She's, you know, across the room. And the American dream says stuff, stuff, stuff. And so in the living room, there's this pile of stuff that's Liliana's or Arias. Yep. But in the midst of all of this stuff, she can no longer see me. Mm. And, uh, and I think this is what Jesus is getting at when he says, it's easier for a rich man, uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man into the kingdom. I mean, the, 
the warning and the encouragement is if you just try to get all this stuff, you're going to miss me now, but you could possibly miss me forever. And but, yeah, but you can get rid of this stuff and have me. And that's right. That's the, that's the pull. That's the draw is, is knowing Jesus is worth more than all this stuff. The, the dream promises. Man, you're, you're more spiritual than I am. I just, when Hannah tells me, this is Hannah. So I was like, you don't own anything. Everything <laughs> you have is daddy's. And then I'm like, I mean, God's. <laughs> but, I, but I have sarcastically started teasing her and saying, no, this is not yours. This is God's. You're just getting to borrow it. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I love that analogy that you gave that, yeah, this stuff can prevent her from seeing you and uh, yeah that's good well i hope you enjoyed today's discussion centered on the american dream versus the gospel for you listening thanks for joining us at the king's table you can find more information and resources from king's hill church at www.kingshillboston.com